Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Debrief Podcast, where we're giving real answers to your tough questions. We are live with Pastor Matt. Hey, guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in. And so we are so glad that you are here with us. Uh, would you drop us some comments wherever you're watching, if that's Facebook or YouTube or TV? If you have a question for us, please let us know because our producers will throw it on the TV and so we can get those answered live. But uh, Matt, this weekend we're going to be starting something new, um, something exciting. Can you let us in on what's happening this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. So we're starting a new series this week called Elevate, and I'm going to be doing that. And uh, super grateful to have the week off this last week, especially with everything I had going on politically. Uh, Lisa Bevere did a great job, and uh, just very, very thankful for that. And um, so I just want you to be thinking about, is there somebody that I know that's discouraged, disappointed, frustrated, uh, feel stuck, exasperated with this process? That's me. I don't know where you are, but that's me. Uh, and this series is really going to be right out of the book of Philippians. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes it from a prison cell, and he has so much to say about rejoicing, getting along, different perspective, things to focus on. And Philippians is just a perfect book to study in terms of changing our attitude. Now, we're not going to start in Philippians. We're going to get there. We're going to start with Jesus because that's where we need to start. Uh, specifically, one of my favorite stories where uh, Jesus meets a man who's been paralyzed and stuck at a well for 30, over 30 years and, uh, and asks this question, what do you want? And I want you to be thinking about that. What, what do I want from Jesus during this time and how can I... Uh, really be challenged by him uh, as I'm challenged by my circumstances. So don't miss, be inviting your friends, uh, come back to church. Some of you guys have taken a couple weeks off, come back, check this out. It's gonna be uplifting, encouraging, and I think inspirational. When, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I watched you know the Senate hearings today, not a lot of inspiration there. Uh, so, you know, I appreciate Dr. Fauci, not inspiring. So uh, just want to, um, Look for some good news when it seems like the bad news just keeps increasing. So check it out this weekend. Invite a friend. And um, and if you're not a Christian, check Jesus out because he's amazing. So. so we have something called the Elevate Challenge, uh, which is for you. So it's uh, stick with us these weeks and watch the, uh, the services. But also, if you're not in a group, now is the perfect time to join a group. You can go to move.sc slash try a group <laughs> if you want to try a group. So that is something to do for this series. Yeah. Um, we have some questions from, from the weekend. Uh, first off, uh, Jay Moreno is asking, he says, I ask with a humble heart and willingness to receive whatever Sandals Church leadership responds with. Then he asks a question about uh, women in authority and preaching, and he cites some scripture like 1 Timothy and 1 Corinthians. Uh, and his question is, where do we stand as a church in terms of spiritual authority in the subject of allowing women to preach to the church gathered? Um, and then he, he just asks for any feedback on that. Yeah, so thank you, Jay. Two things. Number one, thank you for your question. Number two, thank you for your humble attitude. Uh, and I just I just appreciate that. I think we all need to come uh, uh, to Scripture and to Jesus with a humble heart. And there are many, many things that are controversial in terms of, uh, you know, current culture, um, our understanding of, of women, egalitarianism, uh, equality, and those issues politically, culturally, and then there are the issues in the church. And so, uh, the scriptures that you that you you deal with, I think, anytime that we we look at women in a position of authority, we look at women teaching in the church. These are scriptures that we can't set aside. These are scriptures that we can't pretend don't exist, uh, and these are things that we need to look at. And so, Jay, let, let me just state uh, to you, I, I got your question right here. Uh, you know, Sandals Church is a conservative church in terms of our theology, in terms of our polity, in, in terms of our leadership. So, so, what does that mean? You know, Sandals Church, all of our ordained pastors uh, are men. Uh, and that's because of uh, many of the scriptures that you've cited that's not changing, that has not changed. Uh, we're, we're not going to change. And let me say this, for as many people that go, oh, praise God, there's another half of our church that goes, oh, God. And this is just one of those issues where, you know, people have their positions uh, and their, their, their own perspectives. I think the Apostle Paul takes a, a very serious stance on the role of headship uh, within the church. And so let me say this, Jay, I needed a weekend off, okay? So you can pray about that. You can wrestle with that. That either matters to you or it doesn't. I needed a weekend off. Our staff needed a weekend off. Here's why Lisa Bevere was fantastic. Lisa Bevere is someone our church knows, someone our church trusts, someone our church has heard from. She has her own production staff. She was able to do this on her own and send it to us and it didn't require any extra work. And I thought it was perfect for Mother's Day. I think a lot of our women in our church needed to hear 
from a female perspective. They don't need to hear from a male perspective on, on being at home, uh, working at home, trying to figure all of this out at home. Um, I, I thought, as, as the leader of Sandals Church, Jay, I thought we needed to hear from a woman on Mother's Day uh, for this issue, and I thought Lisa was perfect. Now, obviously, she called Tammy a pastor. We joked about that. My wife's not She's not a co-pastor with me. She's obviously a co-leader with me. She co-planted this church with me. And, and obviously she's my partner in life and, and I love her dearly. Uh, so we just kind of joked with that. And um, you know, I don't think we need to take offense. I think our world and our culture way too easily takes offense. Um, you know, if we sat down and we looked at every theological issue you know, I don't know that Lisa and I would agree on every single thing, but I don't know that we have to agree on everything. We have to agree on the main things. And here's the things, Jay, I, I hope you heard in her message. I thought she brilliantly talked about male headship. I thought she brilliantly talked about her own personal struggle in submitting to her husband. And I think that's extraordinary coming from such a strong woman of God and such a strong leader of God who has such an incredible platform of God and uh, so I appreciated what she said. I can tell you, I know that Lisa was humbled. I know that Lisa was nervous. Uh, and I know, that, I know that that was a struggle for her. And it's something that I asked her to do. And so I was very, very grateful to her. I loved her message. I thought it was powerful. Um, you know, Jay, we are not the gathered church. I don't know if you, I don't know if you noticed, uh, but we are, we are not gathering together. I mean, that is impossible in this time. And I think that these times allow for us some ability. I mean, the scripture says women can prophesy, women can speak, uh, women are able to talk in the church. And so Paul tends to differ on that. In some places he says they're to be silent, in other places he says they're to speak prophetically and in order. And so that's why there's so much um, disagreement on the issue because the apostle Paul takes a hard stance here and he seems to loosen it there. Um, and so I feel like Lisa Bevere has the gift of teaching. I feel like Lisa Bevere has the gift of prophecy. And I, I feel like Lisa Bevere is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to share that with our church. That does not negate what scripture says. And I don't think that we, we, did, we did that. And so, uh, you know, I would just ask for your grace on this issue. Um, and, and again, if it's, if it's something that's offensive to you, I would encourage you to seek your heart. And then if you're a woman in our church and you're now offended by what I've said, I would again ask for the same thing. And, and as so oftentimes, when there are polarizing issues, oftentimes the Holy Spirit is right in the middle and he's not to the left, he's not to the right, he's right in the middle. I think we heard from God, I think she was respectful. She did not challenge our theology, she did not challenge our polity, she did not challenge the organization of Sandals Church, but Lisa constantly submits to who we are as an organization. Um, and, and I was grateful for that. Some of you, you're new to Christianity, you're like, what's the problem? You'll get there as you read the scriptures and you'll understand the Bible will challenge our cultural norms. The Bible will challenge what we think is normal, what we think should be the norm, uh, how we view life and how we think about life. And, and, and so, you know, so Jay, here's what Lisa said. Men are to be the head of the family and they're to lead. Every couple needs to figure out what that is because as men and women, Every couple has different strengths and weaknesses based upon the personality, giftedness, uh, and leadership potential of the person. And so we have to figure that out with broad, um, you know, commandments of scripture. We have to look at, okay, how does this, how does this function in my life? Um, because there are some instances in relationships where the female is the stronger person, is the more gifted person, uh, is the more talented person. And so we have to take that into consideration as we figure out how, how to, um, you know, lead uh, families through that. Um, and so, so Jay, great question. We haven't changed at all. Thank you so much for your attitude and, and your question. And, um, you know, if, if you're not familiar with those scriptures, uh, let me give them to you. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, 14, and Titus 2. Uh, so those are great places for you to kind of educate yourself and look at uh, specifically what the Bible teaches and what the Bible says about those. But uh, we've not changed our polity. Uh, we do not ordain, uh, you know, women at Sandals Church, our, our ordained pastors are men, and that is because of we're trying to live in submission to Scripture, but in the reality of God has empowered and gifted women for a specific purpose uh, and, and, and has given uh, certain women specific calling. And, and here's what I would say. You know, so, some churches will say men can only be uh, the ones who teach. 
Well, what if there's not a man in the church? Well, what if every man sucks at teaching, is just terrible at communicating the word of God? And you have a woman who's incredibly gifted and obviously empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have to reconcile those truths. And so, um, you know, so, so for example, you know, Jay, what, what if you, you're a woman and you're called to missions and, and there's no men to preach? Does that, does that mean that you can't preach the gospel? Does that mean you can't teach? And so that's the thing is you have the commandment of Jesus to go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? And then you have the structure of the church, uh, you know, where Paul is working with specifically Jewish congregations that have educated men, that have trained men, and have a system uh, of men who've gone through what we would call seminary. They, they would have gone through a rabbinic school uh, and, and they were educated uh, oftentimes far beyond what their female counterparts would have been educated. And so we have, we have to understand that we live in a different dynamic in a different world. Uh, in many situations, Jay, where our women are further increasingly far more educated beyond the men that they are married to and the men that they work with. So we just have to, we have to work through that. Uh, not, not throwing scripture out, but saying, okay, how can we apply this to where we are as a church? And so again, Sandals, I needed the weekend off. I was stressed out of my mind. Um, media calling every day, trying to figure out, um, you know, and one of my good friends that's kind of taking the helm with me and trying to challenge the governor to recognize churches, man, he broke out with, um, not chicken pox, shingles. shingles. And I just was like, okay, I got, I got to take the week off. I think Mother's Day is, it, we're just trying to do something special. We did it. I thought Lisa was great. I think she's fantastic. She's somebody we trust. She's somebody I know personally, Jay. And I know the Holy Spirit speaks through her, and I thought he did. And so uh, hopefully you'll submit to me in that process. And, um, and again, I'm not asking you to submit to her. I'm asking you to submit to me and our leadership team. And we love her, and we thought she was great. Really good. Um, we have some questions about signs. That, that was a, a, a good short series. Um, and we have a lot of uh, some of the same questions that we've answered before, but um, some of them are, are, are pretty new. Brian M., says, uh, on Good Friday, after they had crucified Christ and everything happened, where was Jesus? The three days that he was buried before he was resurrected? Uh, what, what? Yeah, Brian, so um, really, there's only one passage of scripture that talks about, you know, where Jesus went and what he did, and it's found in Second Peter, I believe, and you can correct me on that in the notes, but I believe it's Second Peter, and it's one of the most difficult passages uh, of scripture. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Yeah, it's not coming up in the ESV. So basically, uh, we'll find it in the notes. And um, it says that, that Jesus uh, ascended or descended uh, unto hell and he preached the gospel for, to the spirits. And so we don't know exactly what that means and we can't know. Um, but somehow, in some way, you know, um, I believe it's the Apostles' Creed that says that he uh, descended unto hell uh, for three days. And so that's where that understanding comes from. A, a lot of churches affirm the Apostles' Creed, Sandals Church, you know, we don't make a big deal of the Apostles' Creed. There's nothing in there that we disagree with. And the Apostles' Creed is the first summary um, that says, okay, what do all of us as Christians believe? You know, not just from scripture, um, but, but a summarization from scripture. So they affirm the scriptures, but then from scripture, what do we, what do we believe that the scriptures teach? And it's, it's really poetic and it's really beautiful. It's something that you can Google. And so that's where that comes from. But that understanding comes from Second Peter where it says that he ascended uh, unto hell, um, and I believe it actually says unto the realm of the dead to preach to the spirits that were there. So did he preach to the angels? Did he preach to people that had died uh, and that were in a waiting place? We don't have all of those answers, so that, that's a great question. Historically, the churches believe that he ascended unto hell and preached the gospel. Um, there are some that disagree with that today, so. Yeah, and we'll have those in the show notes for you uh, for that scripture reference. Um, uh, Kristalina, she asks, when we die, are we in a resting place before we get to heaven? Jesus's references to the thief on the cross, you will be with me in paradise. Is that to say that our dearly departed are in a state of slumber awaiting for heaven as we believers will experience? Yeah, so that was who? Kristalina. Uh, yeah, Kristalina, great question. And so you just got to know, right? Uh, the church is a broad church. Uh, there are many, many, um, like I got this great question from a Muslim girl uh, a couple of weeks ago on Instagram, and she said, where are, you, where are you learning the things about Islam that you're learning? She says, I've never been, as a Muslim, I've never been taught them. And what I told her is the same thing I'm gonna tell you. There's not one version of Islam, right? There, there are hundreds uh, and thousands of, of different imams in their different mosques, and they would all say they're teaching 
you know, the one true version of Islam, just like Christians everywhere, you know, in their church are saying they're teaching the one true, uh, you know, um, some churches even call themselves the full gospel or the apostolic church. And so what they're saying is uh, they're the true vein or they're the true teaching of scripture. And so um, what I would say is just as there are, there are many different versions of Islam and understanding of Islam, the same thing is true of Christianity. And so there are some, you know, uh, veins of Christianity that believe in a thing called soul sleep. So that when you die, your body, you go into a state of sleep, uh, you are completely unaware as a dead person of any version of time. And so you await the return of Jesus Christ where he gives a shout from heaven and you rise from your tomb, from your grave, and you are awakened at that moment. Um, the challenge with that is the verses that you brought. So um, Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. The apostle Paul says, it is better for me to die and go to be with the Lord than it is to remain with you. And so for me, uh, the Apostle Paul writes more than half of our scriptures. I have a hard time believing that the Apostle Paul thought it would be better for him to go to sleep for 2,000 years than it would be to remain with the church doing something productive. So I believe, this is, this is what I believe, that when you die, your spirit ascends to heaven. It's temporary. Heaven is a temporary place. That is not where you are to live. A lot of Christians do not understand this. But what we awake is that... Um, uh, we're awaiting the new heaven and the new earth. And so that's what we're looking forward to. So you and I were made to live on earth forever. And, and, and the ultimate end is not us going to heaven. The book of Revelation ends with Jesus coming to earth and reigning on earth as our leader, as our king, as our Lord, and as our God. And that new earth, if you look at it in Revelation 21 and 22, is fantastically different. It, it, it has as many, it creates as many questions as it does answers, but it's fantastically different. It's something that we can look forward to. So that's a great question. Yeah, absolutely. Revelations 21, 22 are those yeah. where you can find that. Um, here's a great live question um, going back to Mother's Day. Lisa Brevere talked about what she would have gone back and told her 34-year-old self. What would you go back and tell your younger self as it pertains to your faith? Yeah, so I, okay, I, faith is one category, but I think that if I'm gonna answer that question, I, I have to encompass it, not just it, according to my spiritual life, but I would also talk about my physical life. I would also talk about um, you know, my emotional life. And I think in your 30s, here's why I think 34 years old is so, um, so important for those of you. So if you're not yet in your 30s yet, I want you to know this is coming. And if you are in your 30s, your mid 30s, it's when you first become aware of this thing called aging. It's, it's the first shot across the bow. It's the first awareness. You can't eat what you've always eaten. You, you know, you, you're not cool. So like when you're in your mid thirties, if you tell a high school person you're 34, they go gross, right? Oh, and so you start to realize, okay, I'm not, I'm not young anymore. Um, and you begin to look at your life. And so I think in your twenties, you're trying to figure out what you're gonna do. And then in your 30s, not for everybody, but most of us, we're trying to ascend on this ladder. And so I know for me, I was trying to be something I wasn't. So I was trying to be Mark Driscoll, I was trying to be all these other individuals that were, let's call them A-listers in the church. Uh, and Sandals has never been an A-list church, that's just not who we are. You know, I would say most Christian leaders are aware of Sandals Church now, but we're not Elevate, we're not, um, shoot, I mean, who's the guy in, in LA? Um, Zoe. Zoe Church. I mean, they're a much smaller church than Sandals, but they're a much more well-known church than Sandals. And that's that used to bother me, and now I just go, whatever. I, I'm, I'm called to do what God's called me to do. And so if I could go back to 34-year-old Matt, I would say, you need to love your wife, and here's why. We, Tammy had just had her, her third child. Um, her body didn't respond physically the way that it did with the first two. So she struggled um, losing weight. She struggled getting back in shape. We had, th we had three kids. And so she felt um, vulnerable. Uh, and I, I would have been more complimentary. You're beautiful. You know, I love you. I'm not going to lie. Things look different. But that's okay. And we're going to get through this together. And I, I would have really uh, encouraged her and, told, and, and vocally told her how beautiful she was. So that, that's what I would have said. Um, you know, um, number two, I, I would have dealt with, okay, I'm aging and that's okay. 
it's, it's, it's okay. Like I got my first gray hairs at about 34. That's okay. I would have welcomed age. I would have welcomed it and said, okay, this is something I'm looking forward to. And then I would have said, be the leader God's called you to be. Make the decisions you know you need to make. Because at that time, uh, at about 34, Sandals Church had a bunch of leaders sitting around a table. None of them are with us, okay? That's because they were the wrong leaders. And so here's the thing is I asked God to take me out of Sandals Church and what God wanted to do was get rid of all of them for various reasons. And, and ultimately, it, they, weren't, uh, <clears throat> they weren't submissive to me. They were, I mean, Sandals Church was like a, like a garage band, right? We're, one day we're gonna be a big deal. Then we got a, we became a big deal, and then we all fought about creative differences, who's in charge, you know, and it was just, it was a disaster. So I would just say lovingly communicate to, to people how you really feel. I was afraid in my 30s to tell people the truth. Now, a lot of times we think of lying like, like, you know, I, I tell you a fake story, but but you, you gotta tell leaders the truth, and you gotta say, look, here's how I'm really feeling. Like right after this, I have to have a meeting with a leader, and I'm gonna be 100% truthful, and, and that's hard. It's really hard. But people need the truth so that they can respond to the truth and change. And I was afraid. I was so afraid to tell myself the truth. I was afraid to tell other people the truth. And, and I was afraid to hold people accountable to the truth. And um, I just wasn't ready to lead in, in my mid-30s. And sandals, in your 30s, you start to become successful. And you can, you can make good decisions or bad decisions. And I think Lisa was ahead of me in hearing from God. Like, I wish I was hearing from God the way she was. I mean, I wish I was having conversations with the Lord where he was telling me how to lead my family, how to lead my church. And God was speaking to her. And I think the difference between Lisa and I is I think she was ready. She was ready to hear from God. And, you know, why would God speak to you if you're not ready to listen to him? Like some of you guys are like, well, I never hear from God. Well, why would God waste his breath? Why would God waste his time on you when you're not gonna listen? Lisa was ready to listen. And look at, look at Lisa and John's life. Look at how God has blessed them. I mean, I, I mean if, there's, if there's another power couple in the world for Jesus that's better than them, I don't know them. I mean, they're incredible and they work together and I just appreciate who they are and what they've done. And again, you know, so I would say, I, I wanna hear from God. Um, I, I, I wanna enjoy my 34-year-old body. Like, you're 34, you're not 24, but let me tell you, you're not 44, you're not 54, you're not 64. And those things are, those things are real. Um, and so, uh, that was a great question. Really good, really good. Um, I have a question uh, from Annie Moss about- uh, Well, Annie Moss, yeah. I forgot about her. And she said, uh, my husband and I are planned on trying to get pregnant around this time, but with COVID, I'm having difficulty making that decision. I'm a six on the Enneagram and definitely prone to fear. However, I'm about to turn 32 and I know I don't have all the time in the world since we're hoping to have about three children total. We already have a son who is about to turn two. I really appreciate another. Um, and so she's just asking, could you give any wisdom, any advice to couples who are considering getting pregnant uh, in this time? Yeah, I, I would just say, I think it's a great time. I mean, hospitals are at all time low in terms of people actually going to them. So you're gonna get great service, man. Um, you know, there may be a big baby boom coming here. We'll call them the COVID generation. And I'm not kidding you, the COVID, coronials, I think they're gonna call them. But you're gonna see a big boom because people have been stuck at home and they're tired of watching Netflix, so they've chilled. So, and if you don't know what that means, you're old. So uh, I, I think it's fine. I mean, that's my opinion. I didn't pray about it. I didn't seek the Lord. That's just my opinion, so I think it's fine. Got it. Um, you want me to take Rachel D's question right there? Yeah. Yeah, so thank you, Rachel D. Is there any update regarding Sandals plans for reopening? Rachel, there's really not. Um, you know, I've, I've really pressed the governor, um, and, and here's, here's what I think we'll reopen first. We'll reopen groups first. That, that's, that's where we're gonna go first. Small gatherings, small gatherings of people, uh, and here's why, and I know a lot of you are mad about this, but singing is a huge issue. Because when you're singing, you're project, you're intentionally projecting your voice, and um, you know, I, I and, and we all know we, you've all been behind that person who can't sing, but they just belt it out. And, and I just want you to think about how you're going to feel and what you're going to be thinking when you know three feet behind. You know, you got Joe Schmo, and he's just launching into this, and, and all of his moisture is on the back of your head. That's going to freak us out. The other thing we got to deal with is children's ministry. You know, how are we gonna do kids? Kids don't know how to social distance. And I don't wanna hear your letter, how you've trained your kids. 
I, we did a drive-through birthday. I told both my kids, don't get out of the car, don't, don't talk to anybody, and certainly don't hug anybody. Instantaneously, we got there, they got out of the car, and they went and hugged their friends. And you know why that is? We're starving for physical affection from our friends. We're starving, and, and so we get a, a, you know, a couple thousand people, and it's not the same relationship at Home Depot. I don't know about you, but I don't go to Home Depot going, who can I hug? I don't wanna hug anybody in Home Depot. I wanna get in and get out. In the church, we love each other. We're spiritual family. And, um, and so we, we wanna make sure that we enter this um, safely and slowly. And just as your pastor, you know, I, I, I think the chances, here's what I think is gonna happen, and I'm not a doctor, but I think as we loosen restrictions, you're, go, you're going to see the cases go up. There's no way they're not gonna go up. And so we have to be prepared for that. And as the church, um, you just gotta know, in the same way everybody plays the blame game, they're gonna to wanna to blame the church. They're gonna to wanna to come after us. So we wanna make sure that we're super wise. And here's the thing, when I invite you back to church, Rachel, I don't want it to be a terrible experience. Like, I mean, do you want you know to be seeing everybody through glass? Do you wanna feel like you've walked into a quarantine zone? Because that's where we are right now. And, and uh, so I think the quality of your experience, do you want your worship leader singing behind glass? I mean, I. The, the whole thing is just weird. And I can tell, I'm spitting right now. Uh, you're far enough, but I'm watching my spit hit the light. And you just gotta know, if you're on the front row, when I preach, you get a shower. So I've been tested for COVID. I'm, I'm COVID negative, but here's what they tell me. All that means is that I was COVID negative at the moment I was tested. So I, I can get tested on a Thursday and I can be positive on a Friday and be spraying it all over you. And so that's the challenge. So Rachel, we're working at th with that. And so please work with us and just know Life, unfortunately, will not be anything close to the same until there's a vaccine. That's, that's just the truth. And um, for most people, here's the good news, Rachel, the virus has minimal effects. The problem is, I don't know if that's you. I don't know if you're gonna have minimum effects. We, and you need to know, Sandals Church, we have staff members that have COVID that have tested positive, and we have church members that have tested positive. So this, we're not, we're not First Sandals Church of Wyoming. <laughs> That's not who we are. Uh, Riverside County has some of the highest case numbers. California has some of the highest case numbers. You know, so I'm guessing Wyoming, Idaho, um, uh, North and South Dakota, those states are gonna have church before we are just simply because of where they are. And so we just need to have patience and have grace and 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 hopefully keep tuning in and, and, and keep giving. But we're gonna try to do community groups. And just so you know, my priority will be all of our addiction groups first. So sexual addiction groups, uh, people struggle with uh, some kind of uh, alcohol addiction or drug addiction, divorce recovery, uh, anxiety and depression groups, like that's my first priority, is our people that are not doing well. And we all have to care about them, right? Because we're, as church is a hospital for the spiritually sick and the emotionally depressed. And we wanna make sure that we care for them. And here's my other concern, Rachel. So let's say we open up church. My mom and dad are in their 70s. So we open up church for Nick and I, but I told my mom and dad they can't come. So I just want you to understand that. So we're going to discriminate as a church against the old against the sick, and I think we really gotta pray through that. Like, we're either one body or we're not. And, and Paul said, the foot cannot say to the eye, I don't need you. And so the young, if you're a Christian, you can't say we don't need the old. You can't say we don't need the sick. You can't say we don't need people with, with kids. We, we, we can't say that, we're, we're one family, and I know many of you struggle with that, many of you. And this is Christianity 101, it's not about you. It is a with others religion one another. And so, um, you know, we're gonna have to figure out how to baptize again. Like that's a commandment of Jesus. We gotta figure out how to do the Lord's Supper again. We gotta figure out how to sing, how to pray. Uh, I mean, you know, before we open up for worship, we're gonna open up for prayer. That we can do. We can gather together for prayer uh, and, and, and gather together to pray for people. And so, uh, you know, it's the, it's the singing and the large crowds. Um, you know, Tammy and I, we wanna go to a Rams game. You know, I wanna see that new stadium. I, I, I'm just guessing they're not gonna have fans. That, that's, that's, that's an opinion. The, the Holy Spirit has not revealed that to me because the, inner, the close interaction of thousands of people is what makes this thing go just through the roof. Um, so, sorry, Rachel. I'm doing the best I can. I'm working with the governor. Um, 
you know, we're trying to get a meeting with him. Again, I don't want to be like those people that just blast our president. I disagree passionately with our governor. I, you know, I, I'm just, I know many of you read in the, in the news that I, that I blasted the governor. I, I got a little passionate. I'm going to try to not do that. And actually, I wasn't frustrated with the governor. I was frustrated with uh, the news person who just kept, you know, asking me questions. And I always, I always tell Tammy, I say, I get so frustrated with our president when he loses his mind. And I, and I got upset my very first press conference. So I got a little humble pie. Yeah. It's not it's not as easy as you think when those people are just like pelting you. It's it's easy to get frustrated and I did. Definitely. Sometimes that that conversation can get a little political in I like how you brought up we are one as the church. Like we we have to keep that in mind. So that's very very helpful for those people who just want to run and point to yeah. other things. So I appreciate that. Um this is a an interesting question. It says, "Do you think there are some significant changes God wants to see us make before we get back to life?" Um do you have like a top 3 is yeah, I think number one, I, I, I think, and, and I'm going to try to bring this out in the, in the Elevate series, is I think we need to be better at thanking God uh, for what we have. So a lot of you are bored and, um, you know, you're, you're tired of being at home. Let me just tell you, some of our sick people, um, you know, one in particular, uh, we, we had a, a guy in our church who served as a pastor, I think it was two years ago. He's gone on to another church, but he was in the hospital for 15 days during COVID, 15 days apart from his family, couldn't see anybody, alone in a hospital, and let me tell you something, he is so glad to be locked up in his home. Because he was, he was in a hospital talking to everybody like this. That was his intimacy for 15 days. And um, so we need to be grateful that you can go out for a walk. Um, you know, I see families, I don't know about you, walking together, riding bikes together. When did, I didn't see that before. Um, so hopefully once they, you know, they open up the parks, which I think they're going to do, uh, as soon as it, it, it reaches an average temperature of a certain degree, I think the parks are going to be open. Um, and I know that there was that report on Fox News that temperature does not make a big deal. As I pressed into that report, it, it's not really accurate because they only studied, I think, over 70 degrees Fahrenheit. And as we all know, Riverside gets well over 70 degrees Fahrenheit uh, in the summer, like 30 degrees over that. And so uh, I'm hopeful that the virus will be uh, not do well outdoors once things get hot. So, yeah, definitely. I found that this has been a good time of rest. Like I could take a, you know, a bit of time. It's not the same um, kind of rest, but it is, is a bit of rest. So that's something that's, that's helped me there. Yeah. So I don't have a top three, but that's something I can think about. Um, but I think it's just being grateful for the small things and, um, um, you know, I've gotten back in my spiritual rhythms uh, of, of reading and praying first thing when I get up. And, and I think that's so important. And I don't know about you guys, but if I don't read my Bible and pray first thing, I tend to not do it. And so I've got to get it. And not, I don't mean to say get it out of the way, but I need to start my day with that. And I know everybody's not the same, but, but that for, if I don't exercise and, 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 and read my Bible right first thing in the morning, it tends to not happen have a, a question from Katie Hayes, and she says, what happened to the Jews who do not believe in Jesus? Do they get special treatment when it comes time to meet him? We've, we've gotten this quite a bit of, yeah. is, is there an opportunity for people to repent at the judgment seat of Christ? Yeah, so uh, I don't believe that there's an opportunity to repent at the judgment seat of Christ. And so here's the thing you need to know about God. So the Bible says God is faithful even if we are faithless. And so God made a promise to Abraham. He made a promise to Abraham that he would bless all of Abraham's descendants. Now, Paul muddles the water a little bit in Romans as to who those descendants are. Um, Paul's argument is that those descendants are not by blood, but by faith. But then Paul says in Romans 9, you know, that, that he believes God still has a heart for his people and God will not forsake his people. So here's what I would say. It's real easy to get caught up like, I get questions about what about the, the kid in Africa or the kid of India who's never heard about the gospel, okay? That's why we send missionaries to India. That's why we send missionaries to Africa. But the bigger question is, what about you who's had an opportunity and you've heard the gospel? That, that, that's my concern. If you've rejected the gospel, um, and, and I think that that's really what Jesus meant by the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is impressed upon you that Jesus Christ is the Lord and you go, nope, and you reject Christ. You reject the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and then there's no hope for you. I, I uh, you know, um, great thinkers like C.S. Lewis uh, believed in a second chance in a, in a place called purgatory. 
that's what his book, The Great Divorce, is all about. The Great Divorce is one of my favorite Christian books that's ever been written, and listen to me, I disagree with his theology. It's a fantastic book, and it's a book that makes you think. Um, you know, the Bible says it, it's appointed once for a person to die, and then comes the judgment. And, um, you know, but having said that, God can do whatever God wants to do. God is in charge. God is sovereign. Uh, the one thing that you, you will never hear me argue is, is with the sovereignty of God. God is God, and God can do whatever he chooses. Uh, and, and here's what I would say to you. God has promised me and you that if we repent of our sins and we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we will be able to stand on the day of judgment and receive the gift of eternal life. So, great question. That is a good question. I didn't realize we were getting a lot of those. Yeah, uh, we, we did get a lot of, about that. Um, I'm gonna give you a, a verse because this might give some context. Matthew 16, 27 through 28. And Jesus talking about his second coming um, in verse 28, he just says something, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man come into his kingdom. How is this possible? Jesus still hasn't returned and it is written almost 2,000 years ago. What was he talking about? That's a question from Chantel. Yeah, Chantel, man, that's a fantastic question. And just so you know, Chantel, you, you, you've, you, I mean, so not only is that in, that was Matthew she read, mm -hmm. it's, it's not just a challenge in Matthew, but it's a challenge in Mark and a challenge in Luke. And so as you read those chapters where Jesus is talking about the end, there seems to be a convergence of two issues. So one is the return of Christ, okay, Chantel, and, and, and those signs. So what are those signs? Signs in the heavens, signs of earthquakes, signs of great famines, signs of great rebellions. And then there's a sign of the fall of Jerusalem. So Luke tells us specifically, you will know when that occurs because Jerusalem will be surrounded by armies and Jerusalem will fall. So the fall of Jerusalem is a sign of the end of the times. And I believe Jesus was saying, those of you who are alive today, this generation will see the fall of Jerusalem. That's what I think he's talking about. And so you have to remember the disciples are trying to put together sermons and Jesus, I'm sure, talked about multiple things. And so we have those two ideas. We have the end of time and we have the fall of Jerusalem and those things take place in one chapter. And so the problem is, when is he talking about the fall of Jerusalem? And when is he talking about the end times? And Chantel, nobody agrees on either of those things. And so that's why if you go back to my sermon, what did Jesus say? I tried to pull out for you the things that I'm confident that Jesus meant to be about the end times. Newsflash, I could be wrong, right? I could be wrong. I gave it my best shot. Um, you know, uh, I, for those of you, if, if you know your Bibles, you need to notice that I didn't say, I didn't ever read the passage that says, readers pay attention when the abomination of desolation stands because I can't, I can't figure out if that had to do with the fall of Jerusalem or if that has to do with the end times. Now, there's a bunch of scholars out there. They're gonna get on their blogs and they're gonna say, Matt Brown's an idiot. Look, man, they're, with their blog in their basement, they're smarter than me, but they don't have an, a, a real congregation that they're trying to lead. And so that was one of the things that I left out. And if you'll notice, Luke leaves it out. Luke talks about many false messiahs. There will be many false leaders. And I, that's why I went with that passage because I think it speaks best to, to the heart of Scripture. Um, you know, um, not everybody understood, you know, the Jewish audience would have understood what Daniel is talking about. Daniel's the one that talks about the abomination of desolation. So let the reader listen. So he's talking to Jewish people, and he doesn't want to explain to the Roman audience, you know, what he means there. Because you have to remember, um, Romans, the Roman people and government slaughtered people. Like, um, let's say Tammy and I, let's say I'm the Roman emperor and Tammy's my wife, right? And, and, and you know, you know uh, Madison and Kennedy, they're married, we're very powerful. And my son is going to be the next emperor. Let's say I get sick of COVID and die. The chances are my son doesn't become emperor. The chances are my wife, my son, my daughters, their family, their friends, and everybody they know instantaneously are murdered in their sleep. That's Rome. That's Roman culture. That is Roman culture, and 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 that's the norm. Uh, you know, um, you know, it's one of the reasons. You know, I I know some of you don't like Donald Trump, but I don't I don't like this resist stuff because one of the most fragile things in a culture is the transition of power, mm. and and historically that that doesn't end well. And so we've had a pretty good run in America where there's been a pretty healthy transition of power, and um, you know whether you, whether you like Trump or you think he's He's the worst thing ever. 
Here's what I would say is you got four years, you know, get get rid of them in the next election, but keep that process because Roman culture, man, things were just scary. Things were terrifying. And in Roman culture, they played the blame game. And if you got blamed, you died. Sometimes it was the Jews. They all got slaughtered. Sometimes it was the Christians. So if a Roman emperor gets a hold of a document that says, oh, by the way, the abomination of desolation is a Caesar, mm-hmm. Christianity probably doesn't survive. So... Um, there was massive persecution, oh, and that's yeah. why John, he, he talks the way that he talks. Uh, yeah, John is being intentionally confusing. So he's, try, he's trying to talk to, in Revelation, he's, he's trying to talk in code to people, and he's hoping they can understand, and he's hoping they can get it. Um, but unfortunately for us, John didn't leave a manual that says, hey guys, this is what I really meant. And so we are left 2,000 years later to try to figure out when is he speaking literal, when is he speaking figurative? When is he prophetic? When is he apocalyptic? Um, and those those things are very, very hard. And just so you know, Chantel, you know, Jesus is being prophetic and apocalyptic in these passages, and they're difficult. Got a, I got a question from you. Uh, we've had a couple of teens who, who, have, um, who wrote in, and some of the questions that they, they gave are just really real and authentic. And yeah. Chris is asking, I'm a teen who I want to follow Jesus, but lately I've had some thoughts of having sex with my girlfriend. We're both going to get married someday with certain, I'm certain of that. Um, but is it still a sin to have sexual relations, even though I know I'm going to marry her someday? Yeah. I mean, I, this is a great question. If you have kids, uh, get ready to hit pause. Okay. Um, so I, I dated a girl. Uh, I, I thought I loved her before Tammy. I gave her a promise ring. Okay. Turned out to be a false promise. And we had sex before we got married. And I can tell you, um, I've been married to my wife for 25 years. It's something that still bothers her. She loves me. She's given me grace. It's still an issue. I wish it never happened. So I would just say this to young people. You don't know for certain that you're going to get married until you're standing on the altar and you are saying, I do. That's, That's when we know for certain that you're going to get married. And marriage is hard. Marriage is difficult. Um, here, here's what I w- would say. You want to marry somebody if you, if you want to be very, if you're a very sexual person. You want, you want to have conversations where they understand that sex needs to be a regular part of, of marriage. Because sometimes people have different opinions of, 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 of what that looks like. And so you need to talk about that, but say, we're going to save that for the future. And it's a conversation that I have with my adult daughters who are dating. And I <clears throat> ultimately... You know, it's their choice as to whether or not they choose to wait until they get married or not. All I can do as a dad is the same thing I'm doing to you as your pastor. If I could go back, I would tell myself, I know you believe you love this girl. I know you believe that she's the one, but I want you to know that there's another one and you're gonna know she's the one when you meet her and you're gonna wish you would have saved yourself for her. And, you know, learn from my mistakes, learn from my errors. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, sex is a, it's a very confusing thing. And uh, it means far more than, than you, you, you think it does. And, um, you know, last night it was, it was interesting. I don't know why, but Modern Family was on. And I'm not a big fan of Modern Family, but there's the gay couple that's married on that. And the whole episode was, uh, and I don't know their names, the heavy guy and the skinny redhead they're fighting about a kiss that one of them had with another man 15 years earlier. They've been married for 15 years, okay? And they're fighting about this kiss. And so I thought that was interesting that even Hollywood recognizes that sexual interactions, as as mild as a kiss, even matter to sexually liberated gay men who are married. That's something that bothers them because sex is a... Uh, it, it's just, it's just, it's just a, it's a much more powerful thing than we want to give it credit for in our culture. We want to minimize it and say it's, it's no difference than a, a handshake or a back massage. It's very different, and and it matters to people. And even Hollywood, they're not even talking about sex. They're talking about a, a kiss, a shared kiss, and how that impacts and hurts lovers decades into the future. And so what I would say is not only would I not have sex with my girlfriend, but I would have as minimal sexual contact, kissing, cuddling, groping, you name it. I would do as little of that as possible and really work on building a friendship 
Um, because what sex does is it blinds you to the differences between men and women. It blinds you. And you really need to work on those differences, communicating, feeling, thoughts. You know, my daughter said, you know, my, my, my boyfriend, she said this, he, he'll talk for half an hour and he feels like he's communicated. And I said, baby girl, I said, that's never going away. I said, that's, that's a difference between men and women. And um, we just communicate differently. And oftentimes, as a woman, if you think you've been clear, or as a man, you think you've been clear, you haven't been clear. So use dating to really work on those emotional and, and, and communication nuances that most married couples struggle with. And let me just tell you this, most couples don't get divorced because of sex. They get divorced because of a lack of communication and a lack of emotional connection. So work on communication and emotional connection in your dating life because the sex part is very, very easy. And just so you know, I mean, you're married. It's a minimal part of what you do during the day. I, I, I know what the songs say. I know what the movies say. It's a minimal part of, even if you have sex every day, it's gonna be less than 1% of your day for the whole day. And so you need to know that. Um, it's just not as important as you think it is. Great question. Thank you for your honesty. Great question. I think we have time for one more. Um, this was a good one. It says, Lisa talked about women mothering their husbands. What is the, the limit or the line between asking your husband to do something versus mothering? Man, I think that's a struggle. Great question. I think it's a struggle between all of us. Um, you know, Tammy and I, and let me just talk with us. You know, we talked about our issue with finances. And, and here's the truth, you know, Tammy didn't trust me with the finances because I was not trustworthy. So I was flippant with the money. I would buy things without talking to her. Um, I, 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 just, I just wasn't very stable. My wife's a six on the Enneagram. My wife grew up um, where her dad, mom and dad, had, oh, they own construction. So they would do great and then they would collapse. They would do great and then they would collapse. I mean, anybody who owns their own business understands that, right? Um, and so my wife remembers being very afraid. You know, oh, we can't, we can't buy gifts. We can't pay the rent. Oh my gosh, you know. And so she was always worried that, you know, there was gonna come a moment in time where we had nothing. And so I needed to provide stable leadership. But here's the thing. What my wife needed from me couldn't happen until she handed it over to me. And that's, that's where we were for about five years. And it was awful, this tug of war. And... Um, Here's the thing, what I would say to a wife is, you gotta let your husband make mistakes. Unfortunately, some of them could be catastrophic. And, um, and some men never get it. Some men never grow up. Some men are children until they die. I hope that's not your husband. I hope that's not who you are. But some women are nags until they die. Some women are mothers until they die. You know, some women, you know, um, that's just how they show love and it's, we just have to understand, um, you know, she said men are wired for structure. So there needs to be, and it's why I believe God called the man to be the leader. So he gives clear structural lines for the man because that's how we're wired. Women are wired for nurture, but the way that comes out is mothering, unfortunately. And, um, and that's, not, that's not what the husband needs. And so I think what the husband needs is, um, here's what I think you can do. Here's what I think I can do. And then as a couple, you have to figure that out together. You, you have to come to an agreement. And so spiritual leadership, guys, is not you sitting your wife down and saying, here's how it's gonna be. That's not leadership, that's dictatorship. And, and, and the Bible didn't use the word dictator, okay? So a leader, according to Jesus, is someone who serves, someone who dies first, someone who goes first, someone who loves first. And so that's the kind of leadership that you need to model. So before you come and you tell your wife, I'm the leader, you have to demonstrate that you deserve to be the leader, that you're qualified to be the leader um, because otherwise you're gonna destroy your family. And so, um, you know, I would say as, as a wife, um, you know, I think your husband is probably pretty good at being clear about when he wants to have sex and, 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 and those things. So guys, guys can communicate what they wanna communicate. What I think you need to do as a woman is communicate like your non-negotiables. Here's what I need. Here's what I need, um, you know, and, 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 and so that's some of the challenges. You know, some, some boys are slobs and you married a slob. And so if you don't do the dishes all the time, he's perfectly fine with it looking like a homeless person lives in your kitchen. And you, have to, you just have to have a, just a non-negotiable conversation. This is not acceptable. And you know, um, if you want me to be your wife, then I need to not be your mother and you need to get your crap done. But it needs to also be realistic. I think 
Um, you know, in the 1950s, I think we had no expectations for men. I mean, my grandfather, I kid you not, I remember as a child, and don't flip out and lose your minds, ladies, when my grandfather and I, we, when we were be sitting at the table, when he wanted his coffee filled, he would do this. My grand, I know your eyes rolled. My grandmother got up, went and got his coffee and filled it up and nothing was ever said, okay? And I remember my aunt, you know, losing her mind. But if I had to choose my aunt and uncle's marriage or my grandma and grandpa's marriage, I would choose my grandma and grandpa's marriage. So they had some things that I think culturally that we would find offensive. They loved each other more. I think they had a better relationship. Um, it's, not, it's not what Tammy and I have. I mean, if I did this, my wife would be like, what are you playing the piano? Um, you know, uh, one of the favorite things that I love to do, one of the ways that I love my wife, my wife makes the coffee every night. So she, she you know, it's, it's percolating at 6.30 a.m. That's my favorite thing. I can smell that waking up in the morning. But if I go and get her coffee and I make it and I bring it to her, she feels so loved and she feels so served. Uh, and I love to do that for her. Um, so I would just find out as a husband and a wife, how can I serve you? How can, how can I grow with you? You know, how can we work this out? And, and just know couples, uh, you know, I'm hoping to do a marriage retreat. We're trying to plan it. I know it's gonna be really hard with COVID. We're trying to figure out a way where we can just lift your guys' spirits and help you do something fun together. Cause I, I, I don't know about you guys, but are the dishes in your house just insane? At times, yes. Like we're, 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 fill, we're, fill, we're doing dishes, the dishwasher, we're running it probably twice a day in our house. So, um, we want to do something fun. And I would just say, when, here's the thing I think we do. Gosh, I'm talking forever. Don't have these conversations when you're ticked. Mm -hmm. So good. A great time to talk to your husband about this is right after you made love. I, I, I don't, man, let me tell you something. You want to know when I have just a, I don't know about you, Nick, but when I'm, when I'm in a mood to say yes <laughs> is immediately following sexual intimacy. My wife, my wife could ask me, I'm like, you know what? That's a great idea. And so I would just say, and I'm not saying set them up, but I'm saying be wise and say, hey, you know, I really like being with you. I really like having sex with you. Here's some things that make me want to have sex with you. And I would lay those things out. Um, you know, and I would say this, ladies, you don't like nagging. Men nag, but they nag about sex. That's what men do. That's the one area where men nag. That, you know, that, and some men, you know, nag about other things, but, but most men nag in that area. So we, we do it just maybe only on certain things. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. And so here's what I need from you. Here's, here's what I need to have happen. And so I would say open, honest conversation and limit the things you wanna change. Don't come up with a list. Hey, Nick, you know, I've got some things I wanna talk to you about. This is a bad idea. Come up with one or two things and say, we're gonna work on this for the next couple months. And, and really limit your non-negotiables and if your list is too long, take that before God. Take it before Jesus and say, Jesus, is my list too long? Because it probably is. Do I have a critical spirit? You probably do. Limit that down and, and come to talk about that and say, okay, what, what needs to happen here? What do we need to change? And, uh, you know, because here's the thing. I've quit asking, you know, Tammy to be more like me. That's what I thought needed to happen. And, I, and Tammy probably, I don't know that she's, quit asking me to be more like her, but that's what we want. And you gotta understand, our culture talks a lot about diversity. Heterosexual marriages are as diverse as you can get. You come from different families, you have different chromosomes, right? You have different way of processing, your brain is different, you are different, I don't care what your professor in college said. And those differences, God believes, are a compliment. And, and the fact that you see things different are a beautiful thing. It doesn't mean that they're not difficult, but they're a beautiful thing. And you need to work that out and, and talk about those together and just say, okay, I need you to step up in these areas. I, I need you to do that. And Tammy and I've been married 24 years. They don't go away. They, 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 just, they just don't. And so when I get frustrated with Tammy, which happens, I have to remind myself, because I can get crazy, you know, right? I can think this is never gonna work. We're wrong for each other. Man, what, what did I do? How do I get out of this? Like, I, I have all those crazy thoughts. What I try to do now when I, when I feel like she's not fair, she's not been kind, she's not been nice, right? She's wrong for me. When I have those feelings, I immediately tell myself, she was perfect for me and I need her. I don't like her right now. I don't want her right now. 
but I need her and I need this. And she's probably saying something I need to hear. And here's what I would tell you. I feel like Tammy needs me. I feel like she needs to hear my perspective. I feel like she needs to hear my truth. Well, why in the heck don't I feel like I need to hear her truth? I just, I just don't like it. Nobody, do you like being corrected? I, as a three, I pretend like, oh, I'll oh, yeah. take feedback, but that's, that's on the surface. Internally, it's like, it's not yeah. fun. I hate it. Yeah. I, I, I hate it. Um, now, if it's objective and it's performance-oriented, like, hey, in your sermon, that's fine. But when it's personal, tangible, you know, it's like, you know, um, like when she's critiquing my fathering, she's, con uh, she's critiquing my, my leadership, she's, she's cr you know, critiquing my faith in God. Man, I'm like, whoa. But I have to remind myself, uh, we all have blind spots, and that includes me. Um, I know she has blind spots. So I have to just remind myself, you know, I shared in the message, you know, my wife, well, two of my kids feel like I, I yell too much. I, I get passionate. Well, I disagree with them. And then I saw myself do it at the press conference. So guess what? They were all right and I was wrong. Uh, even though, listen to me, I passionately disagreed with them. I, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I believe as God is my witness. Like if Jesus Christ came into our room, he would sit with me and say, you, you guys are, you know, you're all going to hell, you're all wrong, that's not what you'd say. But that's how I felt. But guess what? Your feelings can be wrong, okay? Guys, feelings don't communicate truth, and ladies, I love you, tears do not communicate truth. And everyone who raises daughters will learn that. Just because somebody's crying does not mean they're honest. And I guess some boys do. So boys true. can be criers too. Uh, we, uh, we we did get a question about um, the uh, sermon series you did, Non-Negotiables. That was a fantastic series. You can go back to Sandals Church TV and check that out because it had a lot of great uh, you know wisdom on, on how to handle relationships and, and setting it at the beginning. Uh, like we, we, we answered that question. Did you see that last question? Yeah. Let, yeah, Go ahead man. and take that. Sorry, guys. Long episode. We lost two parents to COVID. Will we see them again in heaven? Man, I am so sorry, MJ. Um, my heart goes out to you. I, I can't. I can't even imagine. Uh, and again, I, I, the reason I wanted to take that question is I know a lot of you are frustrated and, and a lot of you wanna know, when are we gonna have church again? I want you to hear that question. Somebody in our church lost two parents, two. Um, and that's the thing, guys, this disease kills people when we meet together and that's usually people we love. And so we have to be very, very careful. And um, so, uh, I'm gonna guess it's Michael, I don't know, MJ. Um, I guess that could be, MJ could be a girl's name too. Michelle, yeah. yeah, I have no idea whether MJ is a guy or a girl. Here's what I would say. If your parents were Christians, you will see them in heaven. Here's the heartache. If they were not, you won't. That's real. That's why what the church does matters, guys. At the end of the day, look, if you die, you die. But if you go to hell, man, there's no fixing that. There's no fixing that. You know, Jesus says, do not fear those who can kill the body. COVID can only kill the body. That's all it can do. COVID cannot infect your soul, but sin does. And sin can separate you from God forever. So MJ, I'm praying that your parents uh, were Christians. I I'm praying that at some point in time in their life, they repented of their sins and they placed faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if they did, I believe they're in heaven because it's not about what we do, it's about what he did. But if we don't, if we don't ask to receive that forgiveness, we, we don't get it. I mean, it's like, um, uh, if, if, if I write you a check for a million dollars and you never cash it, you didn't earn it, it wasn't yours, but if you don't receive it, 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 it doesn't take effect. And so that's the thing is, God loved the world and he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe with him should not perish but have everlasting life, King James Version right? So I grew up with as a kid. Um, but John uh, 3.17 says, those who don't believe are already condemned. It's already happened. There's no hope. So MG, I'm praying for you. Please let us know what the church can do to help you, how we can come alongside you and minister to your family. Um, I'm so sorry. Oh, his name is Michael. Michael, please, please let us know what we can do to come alongside you. We're not doing funeral services right now. That breaks my heart. As soon as we can, we will. Uh, I think Riverside County right now is limiting uh, to four family members for funerals, guys. Yeah. That's brutal. 
we've been asked to live stream some funerals like to for other people to watch. So that's where it, it's getting to. Uh, Michael, I would say um, if you go to move.sc slash help, we would love to connect with you. Uh, somebody from our soul care team can can come alongside you and we can start start those conversations. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to The Debrief. Uh, you can join us for Real Talk on Thursday. Mm -hmm. What time is that, you know? Uh, Real Talk, um, it's on live.sandalschurch.tv, so yeah. there's a schedule there. You can find all of the times. It's 2 p.m. this Thursday. Yeah, love you guys. God bless.